Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show, everybody. Today is Friday, August 4th, 2017. My name is Jonathan. I'll be your host for today. Uh, joining me in our virtual studio from all over the planet, we have uh, Tiffany, Elliot, Gabby, and Doug. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. So today, our topic is lightening up the benefits of photobiomodulation. Uh, so essentially, you can think of that as light therapy. Uh, light therapy has a long history. Um, uh, it was considered cutting edge uh, in the late 1800s and early to mid 1900s uh, for treatment of infectious diseases, uh, skin disorders, and wounds. Um, but you know, as big pharma started to rise, uh, it was kind of toned back. Uh, less and less people have been aware of it, and it's kind of making a comeback now. So we wanted to talk about the topic. Um, you know, is it legit? Uh, does it actually do anything? Is it harmful? Is it good? You know, these are questions that people have about stuff that they've never heard about before. And I think a large majority of people, if you just kind of walked around, would say that they've, you know, maybe vaguely years ago heard about somebody getting treated with light, you know, or they know about mm -hmm. like heat lamps and stuff like that, but they don't really know very much about it. Um, but it's pretty fascinating and you can treat a huge wide array of conditions with just certain types of light. So that's kind of what we want to get into today. I think more people have heard about those light boxes to treat seasonal affective disorder yeah. in the mm -hmm. wintertime. Sure. But that might be as far as most people's general knowledge of it goes. Yeah. yeah. Or like uh, saunas, like the far infrared saunas. You know, if you, if yeah. you think of a sauna, you think of, you know, heated rocks and a cedar room. You know, you don't necessarily think of just kind of getting hit with infrared yeah, especially when they attach a complicated name like photobiomodulation to it. Yeah. It kind of makes it a little bit less accessible. Instead of just saying something like, oh, you know, light therapy? Yeah, there's, there's a couple different names for it. Um, it yeah, I think it used to be called low-level laser therapy. Um, mm -hmm. That was because of the, the technique that they were using. It was a special kind of sort of directed light beam in a, in a laser format. Um, and then they changed it to photobiomodulation. So if you want to check out the studies for it, then you should try typing in both of those two names um, because there's loads on both of them. But it seems like the, the trend is going toward photobiomodulation now. I think the reason it's called that is because um, it, it's been found that, that different frequencies of light affect tissues in different ways and so they they modulate the frequency of light depending on the specific condition um and so <laughs> i guess they could just call it light therapy but <laughs> maybe that's a little bit too um uh, not specific <laughs> yeah. yeah they have to make it sound scientific to justify yeah. their yeah. existence and their studies <laughs> but there's like over four thousand studies on light therapy I would have been surprised. Yeah, and we've covered it before on the show, uh, so our listeners might be familiar. Um, but it's definitely proven, you know, to have beneficial effects for sure. Mm. So when we say light therapy, what specifically are we talking about? Are we talking about red lights within a certain nanometer range and near-infrared light, and then there's mid-infrared and far-infrared Right. I think I think it's like all of the above. You know, mm -hmm. the photobiomodulation, I think it, it's like Elliot was saying, it kind of covers, you know, any sort of um, frequency of, of light. I mean, there is even sun therapy or what they use to call heliotherapy, 
back in the day um, where, you know, they would just kind of expose people to sunlight who had different disease states and found that it could be quite helpful. So I think it, it's kind of all covered under that umbrella term. When we had Jack Cruz on the show, didn't he say that his wife had treated her a condition that she had by essentially laying nude in the sunshine? Yeah. It was, yeah, was it psoriasis? I think so. No, it was hydronatus superatum. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Right, right, right. Oh, right. yeah. But yeah, she just laid out, right, just in the in the bright sun. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so so you've got the di- the different frequencies. I'm trying to see. I've forgotten the exact nanometers of each one, but it's generally from around 650 nanometers to anywhere above um, or anywhere to sort of 1,400. Um, mm. And so so you've got different color temperatures, or they call it color temperatures in in sunlight. Um, and so it ranges from shortwave frequency, so for instance, ultraviolet and then visible light and blue light. And, and it goes through all of the colors until it eventually gets to red light. Um, and I think that's at like the, I think that's at the 650 nanometers level. And then yeah. after, after red light, it's, it's a fairly short, short, um, quantity of red light. And then, uh, and then it gets to infrared, which you can't see. Um, but when they say red light, they're, they're, they're referring to infrared light as well. Um, and I think they, they use red, both red and infrared. Um, it really, it's not necessarily the color of the red light. It's, it's more referring to the, what, what physicists call the color temperature, which is to do with the frequency of the light. So, so it's, um, you could say it's, uh, it's a very long wave frequency. No, I wonder, Elliot, from your research on that, is long wave uh, make it um, more uh, not penetrable, but more penetrating when it's long uh, yes. wave as opposed to short wave? Well, um, I remember when we spoke to Dr. Alexander Wunsch, and he uh, he asked us the question. He he asked about heat, um, and he says, you know, do you think that heat penetrates deep? And 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 he caught me out because I said, yeah, he, pen- he penetrates really deep through the skin. And he says, well, no, that's not true. <laughs> but <laughs> He set you up. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. But when, when you look at infrared, infrared light, um, that does penetrate deep. Um, now, once you, if you look at a spectrum, it goes infrared and then heat afterwards. But but when it basically comes into the infrared spectrum and and the red light that penetrates very deep into the into the skin, um, and so if you get if you get a standard sort of red LED and you put it um, behind one of your fingers, you'll be able to see that it penetrates all the way through your finger. Um, yeah. Whereas if you if you get a standard light, say uh, like a white LED, and you can't you can't see it through the tissue. Um, so it, it has the, the uncanny ability to, to basically penetrate really deeply into the, through the membranes and into the tissue. And if you have a swollen finger, will it absorb it as well as the normal fingers? No, I saw, I saw one of those images actually. No, it doesn't actually. Um, I think it's because of all of the, I guess the swelling, the, um, the inflammation and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that, that stops it from penetrating. Interesting. So, uh, as far as, you know, treating regular conditions, I guess from a layman's perspective, it makes sense that this would treat, you know, inflammation. 
uh, arthritis, uh, tendon issues, things like that. But now one of the articles we looked at also said that uh, near-infrared lamps um, have been shown to fight cancer. Uh, now, the title mm-hmm. says near-infrared saunas kill cancer. Uh, some of this stuff is a little bit, you know, overblown. I don't know how true that is. Has it been shown to kill cancer cells specifically? Uh, but it does at least, uh, you know, drastically decrease inflammation, which can, which can fight cancer. So I don't know if you, you guys have any more like insight into that is exactly how powerful. Well, if if you look at um, basically what what a cancer cell is, um, it's it's really a metabolic condition whereby uh, the cell can no longer utilize glucose, so it reverts back to something called it's known as a Warburg metabolism, but it's um, it, in in basic terms it's called glycolysis. Um, it means that the mitochondria can't use energy for fuel. And so uh, the cell, other areas of the cells start rapidly using sugars. Um, and this is why someone with cancer will rapidly um, lose weight is because their body needs the sugar. Um, and so what's happening is they're breaking down the muscle tissue to provide sugar for this process. This, it's, mm. In other words, it's fermentation. Uh, so this, this guy called Otto, Warb- uh, Otto Warburg, he discovered this ages ago, and um, and so he basically found that this was common to all cancer cells. And um, you know, modern research now is focusing on genes and stuff. It's looking for cancer genes when the answers are, have been there for a long time. Cancer seems to be a metabolic disease, not not a genetic problem. Um, and so when you when you look at the the factors that are commonly upregulated in a cancer cell. Um, one, there's, there's, I mean, there's a couple of things, but there's usually uh, lots of nitric oxide, funnily enough, because what nitric oxide does is it basically, um, it can increase the blood flow to a particular area and it can also promote angiogenesis, which is basically the formation of new blood, blood vessels. So someone, if you cut open someone who's got lots of tumors, you'll find that um, the tissue surrounding the um, the tumor has, has either been fibrosed or de- basically the, the blood vessels have, have decayed or whatever. So so it creates new blood vessels. And this is how it gets food. This is how it gets uh, nutrients. And this is how it's basically stealing nutrients from the body. Um, and so nitric oxide is, is usually plays a big part in this, um, from what I understand anyway. And so... One of the the reasons why red light, I would I would think, why it, um, why it helps against cancer cells is not necessarily that it kills them. It's more that it, it it can do a lot to help the metabolic problem that is caused the cancer cell in the first place. So it sure. can restore um, the the cell's ability to use oxygen and to start to start basically making energy again. I mean, it depends how you see a cancer cell, because if you see a cancer cell as some foreign entity that's trying to kill you, then it doesn't make sense. But I I tend to look at a cancer cell not as uh, this horrible thing that is somehow foreign to the body, but it's actually the body's way of trying to do the best that it can with the little resources that it has. Um, So if for whatever reason the cell can't use oxygen to make energy, it has to revert to glycolysis. (coughs) Glycolysis is the only other way that a cell can make energy. And so if this goes on for too long, for whatever reason, then then that that cell is going to grow. 
Um, but when you can restore oxidative metabolism, you basically restore the, the cell's ability to, to produce energy in the mitochondria, which red light does help, um, then then it can essentially reverse the cancer. And this has been shown like on several occasions. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I think it is interesting that it helps with mitochondrial dysfunction, this, this light therapy, because mitochondrial dysfunction, it's also a role in, well, basically all diseases, you know. It's mm. pretty much like, for me, it's more like a synonym, uh, very similar to inflammation. You know, it's a concept that you can find in neurodegenerative diseases, in cancer, but also when there is a lot of inflammation and autoimmune diseases. I wonder, what is the therapeutic potential to hear? Yeah, well, it's, it's, what's fascinating is actually that um, there's a couple of researchers who refer to that very kind of metabolism as the disease metabolism because it's not only just cancer cells that that same thing happens in. Um, I remember posting some stuff on the forum a while back. Yeah, basically, there is so much evidence to say that glycolysis, or let's just say what you, I mean, what you just spoke about, Gabby, that in, in almost every single disease that I could find, um, and that was quite a few different ones, I mean, ranging from all types of autoimmune conditions, Alzheimer's, dementia, heart disease, all of these different things, um, there is a common factor that we find in every single one of them, and that's mitochondrial dysfunction. Um, and the way that you can measure that is you can measure, uh, there's a couple of things that you could measure. One is uh, called lactate dehydrogenase. So that's basically an enzyme which can tell you how much you are undergoing this Warburg metabolism or this, this um, fermentative uh, glycolysis, let's say. Uh-huh. It's a very inefficient way of, 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 of um, producing energy. But basically, when there is mitochondrial dysfunction, your cells need to get energy. So the only other way that they can do it is this Warburg metabolism. So if you are basically in a state where you are inflamed and you suffer from some some kind of autoimmune condition or something, there is a very good chance that some of your cells are operating on the cancer metabolism. Now, you may not have a tumor, um, but in, I mean, essentially, it's the same thing. It's mitochondrial dysfunction. And it kind of com- just comes back to a very simple concept. If your cells don't have enough energy, they can't repair themselves. They can't function in the way that they need to function. So it kind of comes down to energy. If you don't have enough energy to do something, then how, how are you going to work properly? You know, and, and it just seems like now that there's a massive shift in research um, and it's it's basically pointing to the idea that energy is pretty much at the root cause of all disease other than other than like, you know, um, some genetic defects or something, you know, but mm-hmm. the majority of them seem to be mitochondrial based. Yeah, it's like the big pharma versus the energetic approach. Like all these people are chasing drugs, wonder drugs to fix diseases. Never mind that doesn't work you know and all this energetic concept that it's like uh, not enough people it's paying attention to all this new cancer research focusing on on the metabolic spectrum of the of cancer and uh and all these like therapy it can be very cost effective you know it's not necessarily like super cheap but i think it's much more accessible for the average person than you know mainstream treatments with big drugs you know yeah, I think the average, the, the far infrared sauna, like blankets, is kind of like a sleeping bag that you can get into. Um, runs around 
200 bucks. I realize that that's a hefty chunk of change, but it's, that's, that's a sum that's not impossible to come up with over a course of time. You know what I mean? If that's something you're looking for. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's amazing because, um, because we often kind of, I guess in our culture, um, and the way that I guess medicine and, and big pharma has sort of directed things, the, the, the modern way of sort of seeing things is that, okay, if you've got something wrong with you, then you need to take a, something in a pill. Need to take yeah. a pill for something, and then there's also, I mean, there's a lot coming out now about how food can be used as medicine, but still, this <laughs> light is seen as something completely different. It's it's seen as what you know, light. I mean, <laughs> light's light. You know what I mean? It just it's there in the day and it's not there in the night time. <laughs> so <What>? no one really <laughs> even thinks about it. But actually, light is uh, one of the most potent factors. Uh, I mean, it's. It's its effect on the body is is huge. It's it's just as much as food. You know, you you can't place uh, more importance on on anything. Basically, it's like you know they're they're all as important as each other, and and they all have lots of effects on the on the body. But it's I mean, it's only being shown now in the biophysics research how much light really does affect the cells and everything. Um, but but ultimately, I think it's a hard concept for people to get their head around because I guess we we kind of just normalize the fact that light is light, you know? Well, sure. And it, too, if I put myself in the position of like a John or Jane Doe hearing what you just said, I'm like, light the patchouli and, and get your crystals out. You know, it sounds like <laughs> you, uh, it, it sounds like airy fairy kind of, unless you, un, until you start to hear the research. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Now, one of our chatters just mentioned that the far-infrared sauna bags can be high in EMF. Mm. Are you guys aware of that? Because I had not heard that, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, it's an electrical device that you're sitting in. Yeah, yeah. Mercola highlights that a lot. Like, get one blanket that it's not as high on EMF. Mm. And he says that you can put, like, a red light device to enhance the, the healing potential of the far-infrared sauna. Very interesting. I have used uh, the sauna bag. A couple of a friend of mine has one, um, and it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely say it made me feel better. Yeah, I used to have one, and I would kind of go in and have a good sweat for a while, and get out and have a cold shower. It was a lot easier to do cold showers after doing a sauna <laughs> sauna blanket mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I can't I can't like necessarily point at anything and say that it definitely helped with this or anything in particular. But I did feel good doing it generally. Sure. Well, yeah, it made too, me feel good too, and I also got in a good nap. Like fifteen yeah, minutes was all I yeah. could stand before I was asleep, and then yeah. I was sweating so much I had to wake up and get out. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Good sign. Good sweating. Yeah. yeah, I used to try and watch things like while I was in the sauna bag. Like I, you know, I I get my laptop and like put something on to watch, and it was I, I, yeah, like you said, about fifteen minutes in, I'd just be asleep. <laughs> Well, and have you, you guys? Said, yes. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, when you mentioned that you you can't point to anything that it fixed per se, uh, that mm. made me think. Uh, I wonder if it's it's also like time of exposure. Like, did you use it a lot? Because I know in the cases where, like, mentioned Jack Cruz's wife. You know, um, I remember him saying that she had to do that a lot, like be in the mm. direct sunlight for as much time as possible, and then it actually cured that. Um, 
but you know, in that case with the blanket, is that something where you'd have to do these insane sessions for like hours in order to actually fix a problem? I guess I'm just not aware of that. I don't. I don't. I don't think they so. recommend doing it longer than like an hour, hour and a uh, half, yeah. maybe. Sure. Um, so yeah, I would. I would probably do it for an hour, like a couple times a week. Yeah. And I did that probably for about a year, I think. But um, nice. Yeah, but it I mean, also like, I didn't. If you don't have any major health issues. Well, yeah, Ooh, which I was going to sure. say. Yeah. yeah. I sure. didn't. I didn't have anything that I, I was trying to necessarily achieve with it. I was just kind of doing it for general detox. Right. Like people with fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, it is actual advice to start with a few minutes, you know, and then get out and increase it in gradually to tolerance. Yeah, because um, I think for someone who's who's really toxic, uh, doing massive doses of some sort of light therapy can be fairly problematic depending on how well their um, detoxification pathways are working sure. um, because simply because it, it increases detoxification like a lot um, I mean it's 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 been shown in several studies to increase lymphatic flow um, and it also increases the production of antioxidants and things so um, I would imagine that if you were increasing the lymphatic flow and, and, and the, the sort of modes of detoxification, if you're, if you're really, really toxic, um, then you're going to be sort of, um, you're going to be getting rid of a lot and you could have some sort of Herxheimer reaction or something. Sure. So yeah. it would be a good idea to detox first before you start experimenting with any kind of light therapy, especially yeah, if you're a pretty sick person. Maybe just in small doses, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. That's, that's just my speculation. And some well, researchers say that, you know, what it's advised usually is to get exposed to the light therapy for 15 minutes. And uh, most people usually don't do more than that, I will imagine, you know. <laughs> sure. I mean, that makes sense, too, where you're exposing yourself directly to heat. You know, you're going to overheat after a while. Whereas if you're laying in the sunshine, you might be able to modulate your body temp a little more. So, so what can what can light help with? I mean, we mentioned seasonal affective disorder, where they have people uh, when they first wake up in the morning to sit in front of this full spectrum light box. So it's not just the near or far or just the red spectrum. It's just like full spectrum sunlight. And it actually works better than Prozac, which I don't find hard to believe because Prozac is <laughs> <laughs> But they have them sit three feet away from the light box and they have them do it for like 30 minutes. They can do it up to three hours every day. And what it actually does is that it restores their melatonin synthesis and it kind of normalizes their circadian rhythm to help the mood mm. in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and um, uh, uh, Alzheimer's as well. Um, I don't know if we want to lead into. We have an audio clip that's kind of interesting, but we also have a, an article. One of the articles that we were looking at before the show uh, is uh, light therapy headgear, uh, where they're kind of mm-hmm. implementing this idea. Uh, so I think this is directed or, or connected to the same team. 
uh, a team of MIT neuroscientists uh, did a study uh, where levels of harmful amyloid beta proteins were cut in half by exposing mice with early stage Alzheimer's to flashing LED lights. So the, um, normally what they would try to achieve with drugs was basically done with, with flashing LEDs. Um, and now they have uh, implemented, implemented this technology into a, uh, a device that you could essentially wear in your head. So an Alzheimer's patient could, could pop on this, this head rig and get treated with light. I think the study on mice was very interesting because first what they did is that they put the light directly into the brain, in the hypothalamus, in a very mm. invasive way. Mm. And, it cut, and it cut by half the production of these evil proteins, you know. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, but we cannot do this in humans, can we? <laughs> so <laughs> somebody thought, well, why don't we just expose the light through the eyes? You know, the eyes is the window to the brain, you know, so maybe it will work. And they right. try it mm-hmm. out, and it did the same thing. It cut it, yeah. um, the evil proteins by half. Mm-hmm. Just by looking at the lights, you know. Yeah. So that was pretty fascinating, you know. Totally. And they but put think, some um, yeah. opaque contact lenses into some of the rats, and they did not get the same benefit. So that shows that it was working actually through the eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, well, looks like this, it looks like this headgear that's in this article, they have uh, two lights that go up your nose as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, supposed because... to – sorry, go ahead, Elliot. No, you go ahead, uh, Doug. You probably know it better than I do. <laughs> I was no, going to say something that a third person will interest <laughs> That supposedly <laughs> when you put something in your nose, there's no um, hematencephalic barrier there, you know, that prevents something from entering the brain. Like there's a small gap, you know, where you can lead directly into mm. the brain. Uh-huh. It could be like that. Yeah, well, I, I was just yeah. gonna say that it's it's interesting because they, they it's kind of like it seems like they were a bit surprised that doing it in the in the eye would affect the brain, <laughs> but it kind it, it's kind of it's kind of a sim uh, it's uh, shines light on how modern sort of physiology views the human body. They try to separate everything, and so they they think that. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the eye is somehow separate from the brain, just like the arm is somehow separate from the leg. But what research is showing now is that it, the, the body is one in, in, interconnected thing, you know. Mm. And so just it's, it's like non-local interactions between the whole system. And so you can't just separate. You can't, you know, I mean, for one, there's the heart, there's the nerve that goes directly from the eye to the brain. And that 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 nerve is is surrounded by water you know it's it's hydrated by a layer of water and we know that water conducts these kind of electromagnetic frequencies and and it, i just thought it's amazing how um uh i don't know what i was going to say <laughs> but that's big farmers cool for you you know they separate every system and they just like the most obvious and common sense thing it, it eludes people <laughs> Well, let's go. Let's go to that clip. This is from a podcast that's on NPR called Radio Lab. Okay, so so here's what they did. They get some mice. We started off with a mouse model. Not the mice I actually got all excited over, but mice that have an early stage of Alzheimer's disease with multiple notable defects. 
Do they have the gunky black stuff in them yet, or is that later? No, but they do have elevated levels of um, of beta amyloid peptides, which is this protein that forms the plaques. So it's like basically pre-plaque gunk. But the important thing to Li Wei Tai and her team is that they have less gamma going on in their brains. If you remember, the whole plan here is to bring the gamma back. Yes. So to do that. They get what might be the world's tiniest drill, and they drill a small hole into the skull of the mouse. And then they take a really thin fiber optic cable, they slide it through the hole into the brain. And then they get this laser of blue light to flicker at 40 beats per second. Gamma frequency. And they turn that on, and the light travels down the fiber optic cable, deep down into the brain, to this group of cells that they've modified. In the hippocampus. To be sensitive to light. So when this pulsing light hit these cells, they actually began to fire at 40 beats per second. At gamma frequency. And they would keep these cells firing at gamma. For one hour. Firing and firing and firing and firing and firing. And then after one hour, they turn off the light. And then eventually they started looking at the the brains of these mice, trying to figure out if anything was different Mm -hmm. after the light flashed. And they see... To our much surprise. We're not expecting this at all. We found. After they shot this pulsing light into the brain, there was suddenly nearly half as much of that soon-to-be nasty plaque gunk stuff that was filling up their hippocampus. A half of the... Yeah, half half of the stuff was just swept away. Yes. 40 to 50% reduction of beta amyloid. That just seems... Crazy. This is crazy. Yeah. I mean, we were just so surprised. Do they know why the flood of yeah, light? Yeah, yeah. So turn out the pulsing light somehow triggered the brain's cleanup crew. Microglia. These cells in the brain that are called microglia. You can say they're the janitors of the brain. So I think it's again speaks to Elliot's point how shocked and surprised they were that this worked. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And then <laughs> that they uh, later in the show they mentioned uh, that they cut it back well like we had said you know they, they then shot it through the eyes without any invasive surgery it did the same thing they also cut back the time uh, to the point where they had the same effect with like like a few minutes of exposure mm-hmm. to the light so it was a pretty fascinating study well one of our chatters asked what they used uh, to, to modify the cells to be sensitive to light I'm not sure they don't really say uh, so uh, they were doing some kind of a chemical treatment on the mice to those cells in the brain. I'm not sure, but they did. My show question that is, it, did they well, use methylene blue? Because that's something that makes <laughs> cells more sensitive to light and makes the cells better absorb light. Sure. <laughs> but I was thinking that I thought they said something about DMSO. Okay. But I'm not sure if I heard that in an interview. Or if I'm just making it up in my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if, well. If, if our listeners want to hear that show, you can look up, go to, I think it's radiolab.org or just Google Radiolab and then look up the yeah. show called. You can Bringing, download this study. Bringing Gamma Back is the name of the episode. So. I wouldn't be surprised if they use DMSO because they use that a lot to, for, you know, as a preservant, you know, for tissue manipulation. They do it in research, and they don't allow people to use it. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was amazing that they got the effect. I mean, even if they did use the full hour, a full hour just to get half of the beta amyloid protein out of the brain and to activate the microglia. I mean, that is amazing. Yeah. And then they yeah. cut it back to just a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like light... 
um, has just an amazing effect on metabolism. It just seems to increase metabolism uh, by so many different ways. Um, one thing in Alzheimer's disease, especially with the beta amyloid plaques, um, again, we see uh, uh, there's, there's inflammation in the brain. Okay, mm -hmm. That's in Alzheimer's. Uh, we know that uh, different light frequencies um, significantly de decrease inflammation. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say just then. Sorry, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really on the ball today. Um, Were you going to say something about how Alzheimer's is considered diabetes type 3 because the brain cannot properly utilize glucose or fat for energy? And that's why there's yeah problems. Yes, yeah. yeah, something about that's that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, overall, it's 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 just amazing for metabolism. Like, there's a couple there's a couple things that that it's said to do. I mean, it, it increases the levels of ATP. Okay, we know that it stimulates DNA and RNA synthesis. It activates the the lymphatic system, so increases detoxification. Uh, it increases the blood flow and circulation. So often when there's an issue in a, in a local part of the body, um, there may be an issue with, um, with delivering nutrients to that area. And so people with Raynaud syndrome, um, they have really poor blood flow in their extremities. And so red light can be really helpful for that. And it's actually been shown in studies to, um, to be really beneficial as a treatment. Um, it, it was, oh, sorry. No, I, I was just going to say that um, that audio, the Radio Lab audio, they mentioned gamma frequency. Um, that's explained also. It's a, This is like a 25 or 24 minutes uh, audio interview. Mm -hmm. They explained that, you know, gamma frequency is basically when you are paying a lot of attention, when you are like really focused, your brain produces gamma frequency, which is, I think, was what, what was it like 60 hertz or something? Pulse, pulse per beats, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. And uh, the light, uh, these, the light that they flashed uh, into the mice, it uh, resonated with the gamma frequency. It produced the mice started producing gamma frequency when they were exposed to this light. So they thought that was interesting enough, or you know, and they just later realized that their evil proteins were caught by health by increasing the janitors, you know, also known as the microglia cells. They were cleaning the house basically. So I thought right. that was pretty interesting. Yeah, it, it yeah and really they also is. mentioned how in the brains of these Alzheimer's patients, their normal brain beat or frequency is kind of muted, like somebody turned the sound down. And when they shone the light into the brains, it actually turned the sound back up on the natural 40 hertz beat. Yeah, it's like... Have. It's like a dark room. Like their brains is like a dark room, and somebody's literally shining a light through. <laughs> That's how I understand it. You, you know? Like wake you know, up, it's daytime. <laughs> it just occurred, it just occurred to me is that's that's actually very similar to the theory of protomorphogens. Now, this is not a standard like medical term. It was come up with the come up by with the guy who uh, uh, started Standard Process. I think you guys are familiar with that supplement company. Mm -hmm. uh, and he had done some research that indicated, and there's been evidence since, uh, that when you introduce the cells of an organ that is failing, you know, other, like if you introduce bovine liver to a person who has liver cancer, like raw liver cells, uh, the, the person's liver will use those cells to regenerate and it works with, uh, heart, 
lung, eyeballs, bone, everything. When you introduce the uh, healthy cells from another mammal source of the same tissue, then the body will use those to regenerate. So it's kind of fascinating that like with light, it would work in a similar way that when you're low on like a gamma frequency, you introduce something that stimulates that and it will increase it naturally. It's almost like the, the body is looking for, you know, a source to resonate with. Yeah. Well, yeah, Elliot was mentioning, yes, you were mentioning all the mechanisms of action, but it is also speculated that light, that certain spec, uh, frequencies of light stimulate stem cells for the body, you know, and stem cells help the body repair itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, if I mean, if we want to go really deep into it, um, then... <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a book which gives a good overview of um, some of this stuff. It's called Energy Medicine by Dr. James Oskman, and I recommend everyone should read that. I mean, I've read quite a few books this year, and I recently finished that one, and I've got to say, hands down, that was the best book I've read all year. It, it's so concise, but basically, the the it turns out the biophysics. The research in biophysics is painting such a different picture of the human body, the way that it works. Um, and and you you just mentioned about um, about light 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 frequencies activating stem cells. Well, it actually turns out that there's a lot of research to suggest that that is the primary mechanism by how cells actually communicate with one another is via. Uh, UV light and infrared light and different frequencies of visible light, um, and and that and that there 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 is specific frequencies by which cells um, vibrate at. Okay, if you, if you think of, uh, I guess, uh, how to explain it? Yeah, so cells have specific frequencies. And so the idea is, is that the way that cells communicate with one another is they send out chemical messengers, which somehow travel all the way through the body and randomly bump into another molecule, which basically is how how things are controlled. That's what the modern medical sort of um, paradigm would say. Whereas what what this research is actually saying is that the frequencies by which um, specific proteins and enzymes and other cells are vibrating at resonates with other cells. And it's through resonant interactions or non-local interactions that, that these cells actually communicate with one another. And, and light frequencies that are emitted by cells contain information. And this information is, is passed throughout the whole body. Um, and so it's actually it's kind of pointing to the idea that we are just one big electromagnetic sort of <laughs> thing, you know. We're not just a, gro- a bunch of chemicals. That, that's, that's just a very mechanistic way of looking at the human body. It seems that we, we are energetic beings and we, we communicate in lots of different ways. What's the name of the book, the authors of the book of energy medicine? Uh, Dr. James Oskman. So it's O-S-C-H-M-A-N. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great book. I'm going to put that on my Amazon wish list. (laughs) Oh, seriously, I I read it, I read it in like uh, two days. I was just constantly absorbed by it because it's, I mean, it's a really great way of looking at things. Um, It, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Well, you can get it. I mean, you mentioned going deep and we could 
go into like rife technology, you know, and, and treating conditions with, with uh, different frequencies, resonant frequencies that either promote or, you know, um, uh, contradict the, the, the frequencies of certain cells. So you can, you can promote good cells, but you can also accidentally promote bad cells. I used to know a, a person who did this and they said that you had to be very careful because you could essentially like grow a tumor if you weren't careful. Hmm. No, I don't know exactly. You know, that's, that's some old, it's, it's some white witch kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, talking about it with people is a little hard, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never heard of that, but I mean, yeah, in that, in that book, he, t- he talks a lot about those kinds of things. I mean, there's lots of information online and other places which talk about energy medicine and some of it's a little bit woo woo and some of it's not. Mm. Um, I don't know about using a technology, but what he actually speaks about is actually um, uh, a lot of it is bodywork based. So it's that um, the biomagnetic fields which are right. Okay, basically, well, yeah, it's a little bit off topic, but it needs to be explained. So Let's when a cell undergoes an injury, it basically um, it was first found that it would produce something called an en- uh, an injury potential. So there's, uh, it, it's basically, uh, Robert Becker found this and other, other researchers found this, but there's a, a very uh, electrical phenomena that happens when a tissue is regenerating. It basically, um, there's, there's a negative DC electric current which passes through the tissue and it's said that this is what basically activates regeneration programs. And this is the first thing that, um, that, that happens and all of the chemical messengers and things are actually, they stem from this injury potential. And so, um, research have found that what they can do is, is they can basically mimic the injury potential to activate healing. So for instance, this is quite a well-known thing in, um, in bone, bone research. So when you have a bone, which is not regenerating, it's basically not, um, coming together when you break a bone and then it's uh, say you go six months and it's still not healed then in in some places in the u.s they will actually um recommend using an electrical device whereby it stimulates the injury potential and it's got some amazing results um and what it does is it basically yeah it stimulates the the regrowth of the bone um but this can this can actually happen in other tissues it's found to be the case in all tissues whenever whenever something needs to basically regrow and regenerate and so um what they found is that body workers massage therapists and reiki masters and other kinds of qigong practices and stuff um they measured the biomagnetic fields coming out of the hands of these individuals and they are the same as what have been found to be the injury potentials. Mm. And so when, when, when we hear accounts of people going for massage therapy and suddenly having miraculous recoveries of their cancer or something, we think, God, that's so stupid. You know, no way could that be the case. It must just be a random coincidence. Well, basically what it's, it turns out that what it could very likely be doing is mimicking the regeneration programs um, that are inherently sort of native to the to the individual's body system, uh, but that's probably a topic for a whole other show, you know. <laughs> but but it, I mean, it, it really what it I mean how it relates to light is that light is just part of the electromagnetic spectrum. It's no different. 
Um, and so light can in and of itself act as a, one of these kind of uh, regenerative um, uh, influences. I have one question, Elliot. Um, is this is this book Energy Medicine by James Oshman? It's uh, this is a book that uh, Dietrich uh, Klingart, that doctor, the Lyme expert doctor, but also does a lot of light therapy. He re he insists everybody should read it. Like yeah, um, yeah, that's, okay. that's the one. Yeah. It's the so I'm buying it right I, now. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I'll be honest. I've I've done a lot. Well, I've done quite a bit of research in this area, and I mean, this is the most concise, um, the uh, concise explanation with a lot of. Uh, he's really done such an amazing job at basically bringing it all together. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting stuff. Um, yeah. It's interesting because it makes me think about, um, homeopathy as well, just to go way further off topic here. But, uh, just the fact that, um, you know, it's, it's introducing kind of a frequency into the body to have, uh, some sort of physiological effect. So I, that always kind of makes me, brings me back to like thinking about homeopathy and stuff and how, you know, they, they have this, this pellet that's kind of been infused with this frequency and that can have um pretty major effects so i mean it seems like there's lots of different approaches to take in in introducing these these healing frequencies well it's a similar thing with the water research right where mm -hmm. it carries information you know depending on what it's kind of been infused with and so that information is essentially a frequency mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it's pretty fascinating stuff. I mean, you know, it's it's definitely a fine line where you get into like I know we use the term woo woo a lot or like airy fairy, like new agey kind of stuff that is unfounded. You know, mm -hmm. maybe parts of it are founded on things that work, but it's not fully understood, so it's not uh, effective and may even be dangerous in some cases. You know, like overusing herbs and stuff like that. Uh, or, you know, maybe treating yourself in a way that, you know, like I was saying earlier, like maybe you do these intense sauna blanket sessions for hours. Well, somebody might think that way, like I do, like turn thing, everything up to 11 and then hurt themselves. <laughs> um, you also do yourself a lot of good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, uh, yeah, ultimately, a, I... Uh, Sorry to interrupt you, John. Go no, not, a, not at all. It was just illustrating that it's a, it's, a, it's a fine line when you talk about like where we're kind of going deep or like going off topic into other things and making connections. You can understand that the body is made up of biological material and is intimately tied with, you know, energy, flow, frequency, things like that in a very scientific way that's not new agey, but is still mm -hmm. not incredibly well understood. Um, well, this this is this is the thing. The problem is is how we see the human body. I believe um, it's because I think one of the main problems is that when we do biochemical research, we isolate a substance and we remove it from the living system, um, and actually we take out the most important parts. So when you study a living, when you study a tissue, you'll take away the connective tissue, you take away the collagen, you take away the water. When in fact the water and the collagen are, if not the most important parts in the system, the, the, the problem with the way that we view the human body is we see the connective tissue as uh, basically a, a lump or a <laughs> yeah like a lump that holds the body together. But what we don't understand is that the, the connective tissue is 
Um, it's gonna go off topic. Is that okay? Sure. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's gonna now? link back. It's gonna link back. <laughs> it helps us. It because, helps us understand it. Yeah. Okay. Ultimately, to understand the effects that light has on the system, we need to understand the effect, the the main role of connective tissue, because connective tissue is made up of collagen. It's made up of mostly collagen. Now, collagen is an amazing protein because when it's in the body. It's, it's, it's hydrated by a layer of water. Okay. There's a layer of water surrounding the collagen. And this is not water like that's in a cup. This is water that's structured. It's like a, a gel like substance. Okay. And so what the, the interesting thing about hydrated collagen and remember that collagen or connective tissue connects every single part of the body all together. It's, it's like an integrated system, which, which is basically connects everything. Um, and so this collagen, <laughs> it's, it's an amazing substance. It's, it's actually known as the superconducting liquid crystalline matrix. Okay. This is what the researchers are calling it because collagen is, is when it's hydrated, it turns into a liquid crystal. Now, what that means is that uh, the, the, the meaning of a, a liquid crystal, when you look at a crystal under a microscope or whatever, you'll see that it's highly structured. Okay, uh, It's like, uh, like a polka dot board. Everything is in a unique order. It's a very ordered molecule okay, or, or an ordered structure. And the same thing happens in living systems with collagen. So collagen, when it's hydrated by water, um, it can conduct electricity. It turns into something called a semiconductor, which means that um, it conducts electrons and it can modulate different frequencies depending on the need for that frequency. And so um, it, it conducts, it not only conducts electricity, but it conducts light as well. Light travels through the collagen. And, and this is how it's said that a certain molecule may be able to communicate with another molecule via light frequencies is through the connective tissue. Okay, so the connective tissue, as we've just said, it's electrically conductive. Okay, so when you step on your foot, what happens is something called a piezoelectric current is produced. So this is basically when you push a substance or mechanical pressure induces charge. Okay, so this charge travels all throughout the body via the connective tissue. And so just by walking on your foot, you are essentially electrifying your collagen network. It's a matrix. Okay, I, sorry, I don't want to go too off topic. But essentially, I think this is how light ultimately can um, affect the system on a really deep level is because what light does is... It, there's a guy called Gerald Pollock. So Gerald Pollock has done a lot of research on water based on the work of uh, someone called Gilbert Ling. Um, so this is basically shown that when light um, is shone on water and that water is, is touching a hydrophilic surface like a protein, so like collagen in your body, when light shines on the collagen, it separates the water um, it charge separates, so electrons are, are on one side and protons are on the other side, and this creates a battery. Okay, so you understand that collagen or connective tissue is electrically conductive, and that light effect on the water surrounding the connective tissue causes the water to become a battery. Okay, <laughs> then you start to see how electricity may actually be the fundamental energetic system of the body. This is completely, completely um, 
um, independent of ATP. Okay, so this idea that ATP is the chemical form of energy for the body, I personally, well, I mean, it, it was di- disproven, the idea that ATP contains any energy whatsoever. I, uh, I Honestly, I think that if you look at the research, you'll see that the body is an electrical system. Uh, the chemical energy is a theoretical construct that was produced based on faulty evidence. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I don't want to go too off topic. You, you're um, not. But, I mean, we're talking. We're talking about light therapy, and this is like integral. So, yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> and red light therapy also boosts the production of collagen. So, mm-hmm. by yeah. <laughs> being under red lights, you're boosting your body's ability for uh, communication. Yeah. It was interesting too because we in the material we were reading for the for preparing for this show they talked about one experiment where they I can't remember the specific disease state they were looking at but basically they shone they shone uh, infrared light um, onto one hand in some kind of state where both hands were affected and although the one hand that they shone the light onto had the most of the effect the other hand was still affected so it's kind of like there's obviously some kind of communication going on there. Yeah. So maybe that maybe that ties in with the whole collagen thing. That's fascinating. Yeah. I also wanted to illustrate the effects of people because they have done uh, light therapy research in Alzheimer patients and not mice. These were actually human beings. <laughs> and what they did is they put like a, a probe with a red light on the 850 nanometers spectrum that went into the nose and then they use like a pulsed uh, frequency white light uh, casket that went to the head, like the headgear, you know. And uh, it went so incredibly well, like uh, Alzheimer patients that were completely like brain dead. Uh, sounds awful, but, you know, I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. And they started like, you know, they lighted up literally, like they started eating and doing independent tasks that they were not able to do before. Like the family members, they were so pleased and so happy that they say, please give me the machine, you know, we'll buy it, whatever, you know, just don't take it back, you know, <laughs> because mm-hmm. as soon as they stop doing the therapy, they will reverse back to their previous state. Like it has to be done, you know, periodically, constantly. Mm-hmm. But it works. Well, that, but, that makes me think, I mean, sorry, Tiff, go ahead. Well, they also did something similar with veterans who were suffering from Gulf War syndrome. They gave them the headgear and they used the pulsed infrared light up the nose. And they found that putting it up the nose uh, stimulated the formation of new brain cells. And it also made the connection between the existing brain cells stronger. But the thing about the Gulf War syndrome is that they're so toxic, like with all the pesticides and crap that they use over in the wars and all the um, vaccines that they're forced to get. The veterans are so toxic um, they found that it increased the mitochondrial production of the brain and it helped them to detox all of that stuff and all of their symptoms got better. Wow. It's incredible. I mean, it's obviously a field that deserves much more, uh, you know, time and research into an actual applications. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. but Gabby, you had mentioned earlier, you know, in the show that, uh, that it was could be affordable too, and I think that that's a big thing for people because you know we have all this debate raging right now about 
healthcare and who should fund it and all that. And uh, a lot of very basic healthcare, I'm not trying to tell you to never go to the doctor, can be can be done at home. You know, preventative stuff can be done at home. So like with the light therapy, we were talking before the show and, and Gabby, maybe you can elucidate on it, was like uh, hatching lamps for chickens that you can get that will have a similar effect. Um, yeah, like the the cheap version in quotes, you know, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. these machines can get really, really expensive. Like th- you can spend thousands of dollars on something like uh, similar that's been used in research. But um, I forgot his name, uh, British researcher, which is a pioneer on light therapy. He explained that you can get floodlights know from amazon or whatever website you want basically mm-hmm. security camera floodlights because they sell it on the near far infrared spectrum 180 nanometers it's basically the same thing they use in research and it will cost you no more you know i think a, a relatively big floodlight cam um can cost like 40 dollars sure this is pretty big. Like you can do a lot with that, you know. And yeah. people have posted videos on YouTube where they done like headgears, you know, so you can put it like a hat, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, people are very creative. I'm like, okay, I cannot do this stuff. I think I'm gonna buy the floodlights though. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Tiff, you had mentioned too that and you kind of had a setup with heat lamps that you just clipped onto the bed. Yeah, yeah, these heat lamps you can buy off of Amazon. I got a couple of bulbs. They're the red bulbs. I think they're about 630 to 650 nanometers, and you can just set them up. Uh, they actually do produce heat. They do use them for chickens, and they use them like in buffets to keep food warm. Um, I don't think that they're the best, but you can still get a lot of the benefits of the red light from them. You can just set them up, and you lay it underneath them, you know, naked and, you know, do like 15, 30 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, people have sworn that it's helped their pain. I haven't really noticed anything, but I don't have chronic pain, but I just do it for the mitochondrial benefits that mm-hmm. I may not be able to feel anything from, but hopefully <laughs> it's working behind the scenes. But people use those. Um, they also use those grow lamps that people use, like, for their gardens or to grow weed or something. Um, they sell, <laughs> sell these panels of red light. Again, that's around 630 nanometers. And you can set those up, too. Like, they hang down. And you could, I don't know, maybe rig them up on the ceiling. So they're maybe about a foot away from your body and lay down underneath those. And there's also the things that Gabby mentioned, like the near-infrared which actually you can't see. But if you take your cell phone and you put the camera on, you can actually see the light coming out, but you can't see it with the naked eye. Uh, hmm. But with the near-infrared light, that actually penetrates a lot deeper than just the red light. Like the red light might go a few millimeters onto the skin, and it's actually good for regenerating collagen and wrinkles and psoriasis and things like that. But if you okay. want to get like deeper... Uh, with the near infrared light, which would be around the 800 okay. to 850 nanometers, you can actually like uh, use it for chronic pain, muscle pain, uh, bone issues, arthritis, tendon issues, and things like that. Yeah, what, nice. you, what you can do is you can um, you can find a 
There's, there's a couple light bulbs. I use a reptile light bulb, and someone said in the chat that they also do as well. Um, and, and that actually contains both the far infrared, the red, and the near infrared. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can kind of get a triple whammy then. <laughs> you can try hit all, hit all bases. Um, but again, like in the research, what you'll find is that they'll recommend specific frequencies for specific conditions. But also what they'll say is, I mean, they use very sort of high tech lasers and stuff. And I think a lot of that is, is, is sort of marketing, you know, because yeah. there's these companies that are trying to sell these really high tech lasers. But if you actually look at the, um, at the, at the frequencies and the types of light, I mean, you can get this stuff just from random light bulbs you know so i think there's a there's a big industry involved in that and so in a lot of the research you might find that they say we recommend only using this product but really i think (laughs) you can get by on actually just going going the cheap way and there's so many people as gabby said there's so many people that have actually said to um get benefits from this we uh my my dog, who has since uh, passed away, uh, had a torn ACL, and uh, we were treating it at the vet with this with an infrared laser. And it was a very mm-hmm. impressive looking machine, you know, that had like a steel cable that went to this little gun, and they would turn it on to me, and you know, shoot the laser on the spot where the tendon had torn. Um, and I noticed uh, that they never brought up like, "Hey, you should get one of the uh, this kind of lamp and do this at home." They never actually said that. Um, but I also want, there was a, <laughs> there was a question I wanted to talk to my vet about, but it was hard to, because I could tell that, you know, and this is not her fault, but she was kind of biased. I, I wanted to ask like, so what we were treating this tendon and during this process, a super aggressive bone tumor basically grew out, broke the bone and then took over and just like went nuts, went completely metastasized. And I was one, like, okay, this is really coincidental that this happened while we were doing this laser treatment. Is it possible that it stimulated the growth of the cancer cells? She said, no, there's no connection at all. But I was wondering, like, if in a certain context that could happen. Um, but, you know, I just don't know. Uh, but I, I tend to think more likely that it actually was. It was something that preexisted, you know, and then it actually coincided with the, it, like, it weakened the tendon, which allowed it to tear and you go from there. So that's a, hmm. we don't need to get into that story. But I was curious about the, the, the actual laser therapy and, you know, does it, um, is it all good? Was it infrared, you Jonathan? I believe it was. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look it up to confirm, but it was, I think it was infrared. It was, it looked like essentially yeah. a, a laser pointer, you know, on the, on the skin that you move around. Because, I mean, infrared is supposed to be, like, have the opposite effect. It's supposed to actually be good for um, tumors. Right. Getting rid that, of yeah, and that's that's what I understood as well, but it, the timing was yeah. so weird that I, I was curious yeah. if there was some kind of thing. Mm. Um. But, you know, there was a big confluence of factors. I'm sure it was a whole bunch of things combined. Um, but to Elliot's point about the marketing, that was an extremely marketed machine. You know, that was mm. very much like this is this very specific kind of proprietary technology that we're using when, in fact, you know, like you said, the same effects could be achieved by just getting the, the certain type of light, which you can get from a bulb that you can order. Um, one of the chatters asked about um, psoriasis 
So they have a friend who has psoriasis and they're wondering if this can help. So I've just come across um, an article which says that a recent study showed that the use of red and infrared LED therapy is very promising in treating psoriasis. So apparently uh, the patients used a combination of near infrared and red light over the period of four to five weeks with up to 20 minute sessions every 48 hours. Um, the clearance rates during the follow-up period were 60 to 100%. Hmm. Um, so it seems to be fairly effective. You would yeah. use, you would use um, what was it, near-infrared and red light. So that's not far-infrared. It's just right. the near-infrared and the red light that, that were beneficial. Sure. Nice. Well, I remember one of the old remedies for psoriasis. They told people to go lay out in the sun. And I've yeah. known people actually who who did manage to cure their psoriasis just by going out and sunbathing regularly. So, I yeah. mean, with sunlight, you're getting the full spectrum. So, I can see how totally. that would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to add um, because just to kind of understand it, because for me it was hard to get my head around why is red light like so beneficial? Because when you start looking into the research. It just seems like it can help everything, you know, like there's so many studies. I mean, we haven't even touched on the the amount of things. I mean, like I've got a list here, which is literally 40 or 50 conditions which have been shown to be helped. Um, but you can you can guarantee that if there's a condition with the, the, someone that you know has, the chances are it's been studied and it seems to have a have a benefit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so why why is this random thing like red light? Why is it so good for the body? So if you put it in like an environmental context, sunlight contains red. Okay, it contains all different frequencies, but it contains red, and that's a really prominent um, frequency contained in sunlight. And so, when you look at the effects that sunlight has on the cells and on the body, um, you see that the different frequencies have different effects. Um, and so, it was interesting because we spoke to Dr. Alexander Wunsch back in January about this, and um, and he explained it really well, but I'm just going to kind of give a brief overview now because I think it's interesting that l listeners sort of understand it because it confused me at first, um, is that <laughs> we can kind of see red light as an antidote to the other harmful effects um, of the other kinds of light. And so if you look at blue light, the effect that blue light has on, on the cells is that it, it increases free radicals. It, it, um, it oxidizes the cell and it increases inflammation, it increases free radicals, it increases damage. Yet red light seems to have the exact opposite effect. It's like nature's way of protecting against the harmful frequencies. So it reduces inflammation, it, it increases antioxidants, which help deal with the free radicals. It increases the the metabolism to be able to detoxify these substances um it it's it's basically as i just said i mean it's like nature's way of protecting against all the bad things that are in our environment so when you're out in the sunlight you get the cancer causing uv uv frequencies and you get the horrible blue light and then you've got the red light with it at the same time to basically undo all of the damage um, and so it's like you can use that, you can take that, see that that is like such a beneficial thing, and then you can use that 
um, out, you know, separate from the sunlight. You can use it via light bulbs and things, and, and you can increase that regenerative effect. And I just thought that was so amazing because, it's like, Mother Nature has has designed this perfect thing which can allow us to, to essentially survive. And um, but it also shines light on well, <laughs> shines yeah. light. Sorry, that was no fun intended. <laughs> but it, it, sh- it shines light on on the such negative effects of the blue light as well, because with the artificial light bulbs, they don't contain any red. Because now we don't use incandescence. We 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 isolate the blue frequency and we use that because it's supposedly energy saving. And so we're getting all of that damage from the blue light, but there's no red light to counteract it. And so mm. I think if, if you're, if you're in an environment, say you work in an office or something and you are unavoidably exposed to blue light, then I think it's, it's definitely more important that you should supplement that red light when you get home. You know, just to just to counteract those effects and try and sort of mimic what Mother Nature has designed um, for, for for your body to stay healthy. And another way to more closely mimic Mother Nature is to use the lights in the morning, not use them at night. Though people sat around firelight at night, and that's a big yeah. source of near infrared heat. So that's just something that I read, but I've been using yeah. my light in the morning just because it seems more natural to do that well, didn't, didn't it seems like there's that. contradictory information on that too because some people yeah. say <clears throat> it, that it actually increases melatonin production so it's good to do it at night mm. but then that doesn't really make sense because you know in the natural environment that we were um, evolved in there wasn't red light at night although the firelight kind of mm. maybe answers that question so well, yeah well, remember, what I, I read, read is that both. the melatonin, an increased amount of melatonin that you produce at night will block the beneficial effects of the red light. Yeah, mm-hmm. I read that as well. Yeah. yeah so. so, I mean, you maybe could use it at night and in the morning. So you can increase your melatonin at night, but not get the other like mitochondrial benefits. But then in mm-hmm. the morning, you get all those mitochondrial. I don't know. That's just speculation. They were speculating that probably because... Um, it's best to use the red light therapy during the day just because of the melatonin, you know, finding. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, didn't uh, Jack Cruz said that when, when we had him on? He was talking about it being best early in the morning yeah. uh, mm. and that that actually produced it, that the melatonin that's produced in your eyeballs from that encounter with the sun at a certain time of day is then used later. So it's like yeah. getting the light early in the morning is beneficial for sleep later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's the blue, which basically the the eye has a, um, a special sort of protein. It's called rhodopsin, and it also have melodops melanopsin as well. But so the blue, the blue light first thing in the morning basically sends a signal to the brain, um, which uh, signals it basically activates the circadian rhythm. So it. it it sends a signal to the hypothalamus, which part of the hypothalamus called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. And this then sends a signal to all of the peripheral clocks and the central clocks in the body to basically say that it's daytime. But what it also does is um, the UV light it, later on in the morning and throughout the day um, increases the production of something called ocular melatonin. And ocular melatonin is the precursor or is one of the um, precursors for 
melatonin. So it shows that how if you don't get enough UV light in the daytime, then the chances are you're not going to be producing a lot of melatonin in the nighttime, even if you have been wearing like blue blocking glasses or something. So it kind of just points to that you should go outside as much as possible. (laughs) And notice how all new cars have these incredibly powerful, like, uh, LED lights, you know, blue lights. I hate those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, one thing that I just wanted to mention, because I thought it was uh, pretty good for all my fellow males out there who might be listening actually females as well for that matter it applies to both but apparently infrared light is very good for uh baldness hair growth Mm -hmm. oh yeah (laughs) i thought that that was pretty interesting Mm -hmm. and that's when i got on amazon and started searching out things yeah they sell those (laughs) combs that have red light infused into the bristles of the combs you can comb your hair with it for like 15 minutes a day or something (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, uh, that headgear set that they use for the Alzheimer's and the Gulf War Syndrome patients, there was a guy mm. who made his own little headgear. <laughs> it looked kind of, you know, kind of raggedy, but I guess it did the same thing. So you could probably make your own little headgear or just get a lamp and put your head underneath it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it will be worth it. You don't necessarily walk around with a hat on. You could probably just shine a light on your head. (laughs) Well, it did like for, I don't know how much time. It was not too much time anyway. And the real machine, I won't say the brand, it costs $1,500 or so. Mm. Wow. And it's just like three lights. They're not very big, actually. So, yeah, you can make your own and probably something better. Yeah. yeah, but you oh, want to make sure that the light hits your scalp. So if you got, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want your hair to grow, put it on the spots where the hair is sparse. Or if you just mm. want hair growth in general, you could probably like part your hair and let the light shine on the parts that of, of your scalp that are exposed. Or you there's can shave your head. Yeah, <laughs> there's <laughs> a better purpose. <laughs> There's a chatter who says, how about gray hair? I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> well, chatter, we can do the experiment. <laughs> we'll report back. <laughs> but another thing that I found interested, interesting is that um, they've used red light to dissolve fatty tumors. Like in dogs, mm. there's some research on that. But a mm. lot of that research is they like inserted a probe into the tumor and it kind of melts the, the mm. fat in the tumor. This is not a cancerous tumor. This is just like a fatty lipoma. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering, like, if you applied near-infrared light, if you have lipomas, which a lot of people do and I do, if you put it on your skin and let it just sit there for a while with a little bit of pressure, could mm. you dissolve a fatty just lipoma? Just push, so push it in. That's my experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Report back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me, yeah, do they, they do sell probes with the light at the end because there are like um, abscesses like uh, from Heterogeneitis superativa, boils basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they get fistulas, you know, they basically make a hole. They actually can put something in there. They, yeah, light therapy is one thing that they've used along with methylene blue with very good results actually. Mm-hmm. 
Cool. Yeah, that study was, there was a couple that were actually amazing. I mean, like six of seven people or five of seven people had a complete remission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is just wow. like it's how light amazing. and methylene blue could do that. Wow. Yeah, because we talk a lot about the mechanisms and, you know, these facts, this fascinating information. But there are actually a lot of people reporting a lot of results, you know, like that you will not get with, even with ibuprofen, like for things like tendinitis, you know, sore muscles sure. um, and eye improvement, eyesight improvement. We spoke about the Alzheimer patients, you know, they had miraculous turnover with light exposure. Yeah. And these uh, and these boils, you know, there's this is a serious disease. Like people go through very mutilating surgeries, you know, to get hold of this, and they got and you know, like Elliot said, like seven people out of like nine, I think it was more than you know, sixty percent of them went into remission hmm. with light therapy. Wow. They've also used light therapy, shining near infrared lamps onto uh, the area of the body, like on the back. For the kidneys, and it's helped people with chronic kidney disease. Like if they were like on the way to becoming dialysis patients, they just shine yeah. red light. I mean, near infrared light onto their backs where the kidneys are. Yeah, okay. kidney failure. If you can yeah. reverse kidney failure to the point that you are not a candidate for kidney transplant, I mean, that's, that's enough amazing. for me. Yeah. It's it's been yeah. known to completely reverse hypothyroidism in, in many people as well. I mean, yeah. there was it on your like thyroid. so many sta- yeah, there were so many studies. Hashimoto, the the, yeah, yeah, Hashimoto patients. Think about it. It's an autoimmune disease. Like most people, never get cured from it. You know, and you know, mm. they have to take Synthroid for the rest of their life. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was like, and, what, 80% of the people in one study who completely dis- discontinued all thyroid medication. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing because the people have, have been taking this, this stuff for like 40 years or something, yeah. and then they just shine some red light on them and it completely reversed the issue. <laughs> yeah, no, people, people should be completely mad that they're not hearing about this more, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They use, uh, you know, we hear that blue light is bad, but blue light is useful in certain situations. They uh, have lamps where they use a combination of blue light and red light to help people with really bad acne. And the blue light acts as an antibacterial, and then the red light cleans up all this stuff and helps to heal. Yeah, it kills like a porphyrin that, that the bacteria produces that is involved in acne. So, yeah. yes, nice skin. There you go. No makeup. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, there's a, a whole host of things, a huge array of things that you can treat with light. Um, mm-hmm. So I encourage our listeners to, to look into this more uh, and definitely check out, um, you know, some of the options for getting your own bulbs and just making a very simple setup where you can do a few minutes a day, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day um, or a couple times a week even. Um so, yeah, oh, I have one more out. thing to mention before we go. Yeah. They do sell those little nasal red light things you stick up your nose mm-hmm. on Amazon. I have one. I think it's called Haley Care, and they market it for allergies. I didn't really use it for that purpose. I just wanted to irradiate my brains to see <laughs> <laughs> yeah. become smarter. But um, I have noticed that this summer I have sneezed a whole lot less than I usually do. Wow. There you go. Ah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, 
I think on that note, uh, we'll wrap it up. We don't have a pet health segment for today, uh, so we uh, wish Zoya well, and we'll we'll see her next week. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and for taking part in the chat. Uh, be sure to check out the SOT Radio Show on Sunday at noon Eastern time. Uh, go to radio.sot.net. The airtime is shown there in your local time zone. Um, we'll be back next week. And if you have any red light experimental results, maybe we'll have a follow-up show. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. 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 Goodbye.